You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning, all. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors of the village. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning, wherever you find yourself. My family moved when uh, in the summer between second and third grade for me, and, and that meant that I switched schools. And switching schools is a difficult experience for anyone. New people, new places, new teachers, new life, kind of all together. And one of the people that I remember most during that transition was my elementary school guidance counselor. Now that could have been because her name was Zola, and I just remember at the time thinking, that is, that is quite an interesting name. But more so, I think it was because she just, she, in, in that initial transition, uh, in the first few days of me being at that new school, she guided me and, and she helped me transition well. And she did that with care and with grace. And I remember specifically, one, like this specific moment in the hallway when she, you know, I'm awkward and in third grade and, and, and unsure and uneasy. And, and she just, you know, all but, but held me by the hand. Heck, she may have held my hand. I, I don't know. And she, she walked me up to these two, these two kids. And she just said, hey, this is Michael. And, and she told where I came from. Uh, what school I was from, and, and he's new here, and, and I'm just asking if you guys would just show him around and help him out a little bit. I remember sitting with him at lunch that day, and, and those, two, those two dudes would later on become maybe my best friends for, for decades. And uh, I know times have changed, and, and guidance counselors are now called school counselors, and, uh, but from an early age, we are encouraged to seek guidance from them to help navigate school and, and classes and relationships and even what happens beyond school, college, career, whatever. We have made connections of our stubborn hearts in this series through Exodus and looking at Pharaoh and, and his wicked stubborn heart and, and his hard-heartedness and how we forsake counsel and guidance and, and how that's kind of a proclivity for many of us. But on the flip, we also yearn for legitimate and competent caring and informed guidance and leadership in our lives to show us the way, especially when we don't know the way. I mean, imagine going to a new city, a city that you've not been to. Imagine going to Hollywood. And, and, and it's one thing to buy a map of the stars off of a, of a guy on the corner of a street in Beverly Hills. Um, my wife and I, we did that. Um, and, and drive around and try to find you know people that you, you've seen on TV or, or whatever, famous people. But, but nothing beats a personal tour from a guide who knows the ins and outs, from, from a local who, who knows the scene and who knows the stars. Now look, we know that tour guides and, and guidance counselors, they're, they're not always perfect, right? They don't always uh, nail it and they might not always be most helpful. But, but deep down, those kind of surface examples, they point to deeper desires, that, that we desire guidance. We desire someone who knows us, someone to, to take us by the hand, someone to be there and guide us through transition, through difficulty, through new things, through the unfamiliar, and through the uncertain 
and, and I want to be explicitly clear, for those who are, are the Lord's, by grace, through faith, in the finished and complete work of Jesus on our behalf, we have a faithful guide. One commentator uh, helps us understand the God of Exodus like this. He says, like any epic adventure, Exodus introduces a cast of memorable characters, kings and princes, masters and slaves. But there is a character in this true story who is more compelling than all of the rest of them combined. <clears throat> he is infinitely amazing and endlessly fascinating, someone altogether unique. His name is Yahweh, and he is the Lord God of Israel. He is the God who hears, listening to the cries of the oppressed. He is the God who speaks, revealing his word to his servants. He is the God who acts, judging his enemies with plagues and rescuing his friends from bondage. Thus, while there is something to learn from everyone in Exodus, the one who ought to command our full attention is the God of our salvation. See, when we don't believe that God is aware of us, of, of our surroundings, of our situation, we will never trust God to be God. When we don't believe that God leads and guides us, then we will never put ourselves in a position to follow Him. And when we don't believe that God is present, that, that He is near, that He is for us, we will fear and we will bail. And we see that time and time again in Israel. We see that in our, in our own lives. But we have a God who is aware, who guides, and who is present with His people. So let me introduce you to that God as we continue journeying along in Exodus in our series, Captives Set Free. Where we find ourselves now, God has, has pulled Israel out of Egypt. They've been slaves for hundreds of years and through some plagues against Pharaoh and, and Egypt and, and their mighty power, God demonstrated his strong hand and he has pulled them out. And, and now, you know, they, they have the bags packed and, and, and the home uh, that they've, they've only known as their home is in the rear view. They probably look at each other and they say, okay, uh, who, who has the map? Wh whose phone are we using for directions? And and the beauty of Old Testament narratives like this, like the, like stories that unfold, they don't often declare. They don't often tell us what we ought to do. Uh, like in the New Testament, we see very direct and explicit teaching from Paul and from Jesus live in such a way. But, but the beauty of narratives and in, in, in the Gospels, and, and as we see here in, in Exodus, is that they don't tell us, but they show us. They put on display the character of God. We get to learn about God and His relationship with His people. And, and from cover to cover, from the once upon a time in, in the Garden of Eden to the, to the happily ever after in the new heavens and the new earth, what we read about is God's story. And it is a saga about God and His people. So today we see God we see him aware, we see him guiding, we see him present as he leads for his glory and for the good of his people. And so we're hanging out in Exodus chapter 13, 7 through 22. And here's the big idea. It's pretty straightforward. Craig Cloud, thanks for leading us in that focal passage. Uh, beautiful yard and even more beautiful socks. Love that. Thanks so much for that. Um, 
so what's going on here is is they come out of of captivity they're free and and uh and then we see god speaks to them and uh, he, he shows up in in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and so he says um th this is what he said in, in verse 17 when pharaoh let the people go god did not lead them by way of the land of the philistines although that was near that was the the more uh, simplistic route, that was the obvious route that they would have taken. Um, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So, so there are three things that we're going to look at today. The first one is, is God knows our hearts. The second is God leads with our hearts and minds. And the third is God is present where he leads. And so God knows our hearts. But really, though, he, he really does. Not in like the worst way when people say that. They say, you know, God knows my heart, so, so I, can, I can sin, uh, and he's okay with that because he understands my situation. Or, or we say, uh, I want to do this, and well, well, the Bible says not to do that. Well, you know what? God knows my heart, and so I'm going to go ahead. No, no, God is never okay with that. And when I say God knows my heart, that is not what I'm talking about. But, but even better, he really knows your heart. He knows you, not only all of humanity, and not only does he know all of creation, but he knows you. And so when we look at this in verse 17, we see insight into God's philosophy of parenting. He's saying that, that uh, he would have led them the easy way, and that would have been up north, uh, I think along the, the River Nile until they get to a, a large sea, uh, and then they would they would hook a right, and they would end up in the promised land. That's not what he does. He hooks a hard right, and uh, and and he uh, allows them to camp there and and hang out. He does that so that they would not change their minds when they saw the war, uh, the warring tribes, uh, the violence on the on the path that was more simple. He knew, uh, as as Chad Bird says in. The 40 minutes of the Old Testament podcast, which, which I love. It's been so helpful on this journey, so I, I want to plug that to you all. He says, God was mindful of their fragile fears, and he acted toward them accordingly. God takes into consideration. We see insight into how God is caring and guiding his people. They have, essentially, they have PTSD. They've been enslaved for hundreds of years, generations of slavery, They've, they've seen God do crazy and mighty things, and they've, they've been torn between the power of this world and the power that, that spins the world on his fingertips. And, and so God knew that if they saw what they were going to see, if they went the simple route, they would, they would bail. They would turn back. God isn't concerned with, with efficiency. He is concerned with his glory. And so we get to take heart, no matter where we are, what we are dealing with, uh, what life is offering us, no matter where we are in our pursuit of God, whether we find ourselves hopeless or aimless or helpless or frustrated or faithless or defeated, God is not unaware of your situation, of your heart, of your circumstances, of your needs. He knows, and He knew that they couldn't handle it, even even understanding that sometimes giving, uh, God gives us more than we can handle to lead us right where we need to be. But to be clear, 
God tempts no one. He is not responsible for the sin of Israel, and we will see their sin on display. And he's not responsible for our sin, but he knows where our hearts wander, where it's prone to mistrust. He leads his people with with our broken, wayward hearts and mind. And that means we can trust him. We can ask him. We can ask him to show us who we are because he knows us even better than we know ourselves. And that means, that means we can trust him. God not only knows what's going on outside of us, but, but around the universe. Um, circumstances around us, circumstances around the world. This week, right now, as I'm recording this, me and nine other people from the village were supposed to be in, in Guatemala. We were supposed to be uh, learning from and investing in our friends in a village called Los Chalitos outside of Guatemala City. And uh, he knows what's going on with, with Mitch and Amanda Munoz and Cayetano and, and his wife and family and, and Isao and, and those that are investing in that village and planting the gospel so that it might grow. He knows what's going on there. But here's the thing. I'm, I'm in Hamilton, Ohio. But the beauty is God's not shaken by that. He's building the same church there as we're building here, the same kingdom that we're building here. He's doing there. He knows what's going on in Guatemala. Last week during this scattered gathering, uh, just like this one, we had some friends tuning in from England. And, and here's the thing. He knows what's going on in England. He knows what's going on in your life specifically. He knows what's going on in Guatemala. He knows what's going on in your home, in your heart, and everywhere in between. And as, as I've quoted a million times, John Piper, he says, God is up to a million things in and around your life right now, we might be aware of three of them. So we get to take comfort. We get to trust God that he knows what's going on. And he's also mindful of the default tendencies and the wanderings of our heart. So we sing, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God knows our hearts. And the second thing is God leads with our hearts in mind. Let me read verse 18 through 20. Uh, But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now, your, this is the ESV. Your Bible might say something different, but, but the word there is, is not so offensive. It's, it's actually more like they, uh, they led in formation. So maybe they were prepared to fight, but, but the word is really they were, they were organized. Remember, there were upwards of two million of them. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Look, God doesn't just know our hearts, but he acts accordingly. He's strong and loving enough to tell us no uh, when that's not best for us, to tell us yes when it is. He's strong 
and loving enough to handle whatever we throw his way with our best in mind. So the idea of, of God to you, depending on what your background is, where you find your relationship with God at the moment, it might seem like God is some stoic figure, some, some unapproachable um, uh, God who, who's, who's like a statue and he just points a, a scepter and he zaps things into existence. Now, now, he can't do that. But the beauty of our God is that he is personal and he lives. As John Mark McMillan says, he's not some God in outer space who doesn't mean anything, but, but he is personal and he lives. Uh, Habakkuk in the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 19 says, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Is it covered with gold? Uh, I'm sorry, it is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. And so the, the prophet is coming against those who worship idols and, and false gods, but, but we have a God who, who lives. God led his people the long way because he knew they would bail if he led them straight. Chad Bird said it in that podcast, he, he quoted it in ancient proverb, he says, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. So that's an encouragement to us about what God does. God knows best, even when it's even when it isn't fueled by efficiency at its core, God is always more concerned with, with us being than he is us doing. So we can submit to that reality, that, that God is more concerned with forming us as his own for his glory. We can submit to that reality and join him, or we can find ourselves opposing him. And to be clear, by opposing, I don't just mean defiant opposition like we see in Pharaoh. But, but if he knows best and if he leads and guides with a, a highly relational, emotional intelligence and awareness, we oppose him simply by, by not following where he guides. But to be clear, God's way isn't always the most efficient. It, is, it isn't always the cheapest, the, the most logical, the most obvious, because he has 10 million storyline threads that he is tying together every moment and he's using those threads to see his plans through with a, with a director's eye like Steven Spielberg would die for. Not for the story's sake, but for the character's sake. And those characters are us. There's a famous psalm that speaks to this and, and it's the psalmist who cries out and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Know what's inside of me. Try me and know, know the thoughts that swirl around and see if there's any wicked way in me. And, and if there is, God, would you lead me into the way everlasting? And the beauty is, we get to search our own hearts. We get to be aware of our own sin patterns and, and avoid ways that lead to our hearts uh, drifting away from the Lord. And the way that we do that is to ask God to search us, to reveal our heart, to protect us 
from ourselves to give us insight about us that only He has. Interestingly, as we're reading this text, we see this thing that looks like an odd, just awkward sidebar. It's, it's about Joseph's bones. And he says that Moses carried with them Joseph's bones. So big is the quilt and the threads and the fibers that make up God's story that he gives his people icons of remembrance. So, so Joseph's bones are with Israel this ties back to the end of Genesis in chapter 50. Joseph told his sons to carry him into the promised land. Whenever God did that, whenever he delivered that, Joseph beheld that promise of God that he was going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joseph said, look, I want to be there even if it's just my bones. So, so take me there. So, so Joseph's bones have been with them for hundreds of years. And these bones are a visible reminder of God's promise. Moses is, is so mindful. Think about this all the time that they had those bones with them. Uh, we, we were talking in staff meeting about this text this week, and, and it was like uh, if, if, you've, uh, if, you're, if you've been pregnant and you have a, a baby bag packed, you know, the, the hospital bag ready to, ready to roll, um, you might leave the house up until the time that, that you're, you're getting close to, to going into labor, you think, uh, getting close to your due date, you might leave the house without that bag. But when you start leaving the house, and every time you do, you say, no, we better take the bag this time because this time could be the one. Moses knew that when they left uh, Egypt this time, that, that this was the time they were leaving. So Moses was mindful enough to take Joseph's bones. And, and Moses walks in the shoes of his forefathers, reminding himself, reminding all of Israel of the promise of God. He's mindful of history. He's mindful of the, the historic roots. He's, he's, uh, he's mindful of God's promise that he put before his people, even though they wouldn't reach that land for 40 more years. Gosh, spoiler, we'll get there. So what seems like an aside or a sidebar, it further proves the point that God leads with our hearts and mind. And I'm certain that the people ask why they wasted the effort of carrying Joseph's bones around. Man, we're navigating this difficult thing, and, and with all the stuff that we have to carry to provide for us, we've got to take this old dead guy's bones. But God led them with a thoughtfulness around their need to connect with the past to increase their faith for the future. Now, we don't always like it when God is God. I can be honest about that. But thank God He always is. And thank God that, that it is His grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy that He is always God, that He's never found unaware, that He's always thoughtful, that He's always planned, that He's never just responding to something, but he's always guiding, encouraging, coaching, spurring with his plans and the future in mind. And sometimes he may let us go our own way, and sometimes he may resist our opposition. But we can trust because God is aware, and we can follow because God leads. The third point that we see here is that God is present where he leads. Check it out. 
this sets up a, a whole section that, that really weaves in through much of the Old Testament. I'm reading in 21 and 22. Remember, the bags are packed. They're, they're, uh, they're past the driveway. They're getting to the first turn on the first road. And they say, where are we going? Who has the map? God shows them that, that he has the map for them. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to guide them, uh, to give them light, that they might travel by day and that they might travel by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So man, there's some big stuff that's getting ready to happen. But in this, we see, sure, God, God is omnipresent. He's, he's omniscient. He's everywhere. He knows all things. We're going to hit on that in just a few months as we do a, a second part of a series. He is, we are reflecting on the attributes of God. But, but He is present in a significant way to His people. So there's some sort of huge pile of clouds by day. And, and by night, maybe that cloud turn, turns to some sort of, of glowing mist so that the people can move during the day. And they can also move at night following God wherever He leads. Uh, this cloud doesn't just kind of wisp away, but it stays with them. And when it stopped, they, they camped there and they put the, the tent of meeting, kind of the, the, the temporary tabernacle under that as a place of worship under that. And, and when it moved, they picked up camp and they moved with it. Nehemiah, he gives some sweet commentary into what's going on here. And we'll point back to this uh, in the future. But, but in Nehemiah 9 verse 12, he says, By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light them the way in which they should go, right? So Nehemiah is pointing back to the fact that God was their guide. And then later on, he says, gosh, even despite your sin and the fact that you, you bow down to false idols, that's, that's what happens to God's people here in the desert. He says, in your mercies, you did not forsake them. You gave them your good spirit to instruct them. God is aware he guides. God is near. Now, I hope all of this connects and we can see as we observe what's happening to uh, the relationship between God in, uh, in the Old Testament to his people, Israel. I hope that we can see the heart and the nature of God, his relationship with his people. But I, but I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. But we don't have a cloud to follow by day. And, and we don't have this glowing inferno to follow by night. But here's the thing. As God's people, we have something, we have someone even better than that. Later on, God would show up in the flesh. He would, he would dwell among us in the flesh, being fully God and fully man the eternal Son showing up divine as He was as a baby. And He would grow into a man. And Jesus 
was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and He showed us how to live. He showed us how to pray. He showed us how to walk by faith. He showed us how to please the Father. He showed us how to walk with God. He gave us access to God, and He even told His disciples, follow me. He said, follow me because because I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and He led us unto new life by his death he he died for our sins so that we might be forgiven and by his life he gives us his righteousness his life so that we might live a life pleasing to the father but i know what you're saying jesus isn't with us in the flesh but he did not leave us without a guide i want to read several passages of scripture and we're not putting these on the screen today i hope that you're taking this opportunity to to grow as a disciple Uh, if you have a family to lead your family as disciples i hope right now that you're not laying down as if this were a netflix uh, series but but i hope that you have uh, a notebook writing notes your bible's open uh, right paying attention and i hope that that if you have kids running around like i'm guessing that you do that that at the end of this gathering, you'll shoot a text or, or write a note to a cable worker and you'll thank them for their work week in, week out uh, to, to give you a little space and to disciple your kids. So here's the thing. Jesus didn't leave us without a guide. Uh, and so I'm going to read a few passages. In, in John 14, 25, we see Jesus say, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. A few chapters later in John 16, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus says, he will guide you unto all the truth. The Holy Spirit is a guide that takes us to the foot of truth. He is the Spirit of truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Who tells us that those who trust Jesus, the Spirit dwells inside of us. And he uses this analogy of a temple that, that the church um, are, are individuals that make up blocks, that make up the temple where God resides. And if you think of, of a beautiful cathedral in our context with stained glass shining bright into a community or into a city, that's what the church gets to be as God's storehouse. He doesn't live in, in temples made with hands. Uh, those, those churches with stained glass or the basement that the village church meets in week Week in, week out, that is, not, that is not the house of the Lord as it was in the temple, the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Jesus busted that open by his death. And, and when he did that, the Spirit was unleashed so that we are the temple of God. He lives inside of us who call upon Jesus by faith. And you might wonder, well, well how does that happen? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, 11, and the, and the following verses, he says, In him, that's Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, 
a promised land, if you will, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Check this out. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, maybe that's today, that you're hearing this good news of God calling you to Himself by the work of Jesus. Uh, Maybe that was many years ago. It says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in Him, in that moment, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. That is, that, that we will receive the promises of God until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Look, no one asked for a cloud to show up in the desert. No one asked for the Holy Spirit to be sent so that we might be near to God. Yet God provided Himself aware, guiding, and present. What sweet grace and mercy God has given His people. Look, Zola McClish, my elementary school guidance counselor, she wasn't in every class with me like the Holy Spirit is, right? I rarely spent time with her in her office. And beyond that initial transition, I I didn't spend much time with her at all, but she set me up with guidance, with tools, with resources, with relationships that would lead me in my classes and in my social life and all those things. So here's the deal. When, when things are overwhelming and when they're underwhelming, when the journey is uncharted and when it's mundane, when people and places are familiar And when people and places uh, make us feel alone in a room full of a thousand people, God is aware of what's happening around you. He is aware of what's happening inside of you. He is leading and guiding through His Spirit that is present in all who call upon the name of Jesus. He is present through His Word and through His people He is present and dwelling within those who trust Jesus for life in Him. We have God with us as the Word of God. We have God in us, the Spirit of God. And we have God put on display through the redemption and the beauty of God's people, broken as we are, redeemed by His grace, the church. So we can trust because he's aware and he does know our wayward hearts. We can follow because he leads thoughtfully, like it or not. And we can stay the course in faithfulness because he is faithful and because he is near. So here's the deal. We all seek guidance and this world will offer it in a million different ways. Not only what to eat and what to wear and and who to vote for and what to think about, but, but also what to prioritize and what to worship and what to follow. We have a God who is aware, who guides, and who is present 
with his people. So would you join me as we continue to sing, reflecting, repenting, and respond in response to this great God that we have before us. Grace be with you.